the theme for today is where to put worried eyes. Please follow along with the sermon sheets provided. If you don't have one, please raise your hand now and the worship hosts will bring you one. Pencils are available to the side of your seat and if you haven't collected a small item from the front yet, please do so during the readings. All right, we'll now go into a time of Bible reading. So we're reading from uh, Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? you of little faith. So we'll now watch a video message from Pastor Matt Tilly. Good morning, Good Shepherd Church. I'm Pastor Matt Tealy, and I also serve a Good Shepherd Church at Witter in Queensland and also St Luke's Lutheran Church in Nambour. And uh, I, I grew up at Good Shepherd Paravista. Let's get into it. There's this bloke called Bob and he worries. He worries about the brand of toothpaste. He worries about everything all the time. He's got such an intense worry problem that there's nothing he doesn't worry about. And his worries grown and grown and grown until it's become anxiety. And he's tried everything. He's tried every therapy and every treatment you can possibly imagine. And uh, Bob regularly sees a psychologist to talk about his worry, but it's just going nowhere. One day, Bob walks into the psychologist's office, completely changed. He's calm, he's cool as a cucumber, he's happy as Larry, not a worry in the world. He sits down on the psychologist's couch and the psychologist does a little freak out. He's like, I've never seen anything like this before. I mean. I've never seen a cure or a change in someone like this before. What happened to you? And Bob says, oh, it was easy. I just hired a professional warrior. The psychologist says, a professional warrior? Like what, you mean someone to do all your worrying for you? And Bob says, yep. The psychologist says, that must cost a lot of money. That must cost more than me. And Bob says, Oh yeah, he charges a thousand bucks a week. The psychologist scratches his head and says, a thousand bucks a week, that is more than me. And that's $52,000 a year. How on earth can you afford that? And Bob just smiles and says, well, I don't know, that's his problem. Pauses for laughter that may not have happened. Today I wanna to talk about worry. And I don't judge you if you worry because worry is a natural product of our fallen human hearts, I worry. And no one in the room should judge you if today you need to talk about the fact that you worry or face anxiety. I wanna talk about worry because Jesus talked about worry. 
And specifically today, I wanna to talk about worry in terms of worry and anxiety being a problem of focus. Because I know that when I worry about something or I get anxious about something, it takes my focus. It's just like my whole world becomes wrapped around that thing that is worrying me or troubling me or causing me anxiety. And I find that I can't see anything else. I can't see anything better. I'm just completely focused on that thing. Worry, it's like a disease that takes the spotlight of your consciousness and focuses it all on the bad. And so the Bible has a lot to say about our anxious hearts, not in judgment of us, but to help us. And I want to talk today about where you put your focus when you're worried, where to put worried eyes. That's what it is. And so I want to share with you three places to put your focus or three places to put your worried eyes. So the first one is this. Put your worried eyes on something small. Jesus loved the small. Jesus often talked about small things. Jesus compared heaven and God's gracious presence to small things. And Jesus specifically says when it comes to worry, focus on something small. For a moment, just turn away from the challenges the anger, the, the pain, the frustration, the obstacles, the evil. And just look at something small and maybe something living. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives us two things to focus on that are small. Can you spot them? They're on the screen. He says, when you worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, about your future, about your security, he says, number one, look at what? The birds. Jesus specifically says, look. What if we took him seriously here instead of kind of thinking it's just an illustration? What if we took Jesus seriously and said, Jesus is saying, when you worry, go bird watching. What if he is? Jesus literally is saying to us, when you are worried, instead put your focus on something small like the birds. When I was sharing this message in Nambour, one of our leaders actually looked out the window and saw a magpie and he told me later, great sermon, spent the rest of the sermon watching a magpie out the window. So thank goodness that uh, Good Shepherd doesn't have those problems, right? When you worry, says Jesus, first, take your focus off all those scary things that are magnifying in your mind and just look at something small and living because God is in that. If God has the birds, God has you, right? What's the other thing Jesus invites us to place our attention on? Plants, the flowers, the living world of flora. And so he says, look at the flowers. They're so beautiful in their time. And so are you. And they're so valuable. And you're worth more. So when we're worried, perhaps first of all, we need to take our gaze from all that's so big and just focus on something small and intricate because in that is the actual presence and power and beauty and design of God. My son was in hospital for a long time when he was born and he was facing death every day. And I used to 
go out onto the hospital balcony and just sit there in the sun. And there were flowers growing out there, callistamins, and I just used to look at them. And as I looked at those flowers, I heard the words of Jesus, consider the flowers. If God has them, God has you. A while back, one of my friends, Pastor Ray, went driving out in the country and for no apparent reason, he pulled off on the side and he just started looking down. He didn't look up at the, you know, the road trains and the noise. He just looked down and he saw this. And he posted these pictures and he said, I was just blown away on the side of a noisy highway by the intricate beauty that God had created. When you worry, focus first on the small. So Jesus also says, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? As I was attempting to write this sermon, there was an insect buzzing, buzzing, buzzing around my face. And I stopped and looked. And it was incredible. Intricately designed. Beauty beyond recognition in the tiniest pinhead. And Jesus is saying to us, see these insects. God knows them. God has a purpose and a plan. So first, literally meditate prayerfully on the small. One of the best meditations for these sorts of times is Psalm 131. It says, my eyes are not arrogant. I'm not trying to fill my eyes up with all the problems and all the big stuff and conquer everything. I don't concern myself with great matters or things too big for me, but I've calmed my soul like a toddler in its mother's arms. So number one, just for a moment, Stop focusing on everything else around and just see the wonder and mystery in something small. Because if God is in that, God is with you. So when you worry, number one, put your eyes on the small and number two, put your eyes on something completely opposite, on the stars. So first you focus on something tiny, but secondly, you focus not on the local, or the national, or the global, not on your community. You go beyond the planet and you put your focus on the heavens, on the galaxy. You look up at the stars. Sometimes when I'm stressed, I do this. I just go and sit and watch the stars and I find myself automatically praying. I wonder if that's what happened to the person who wrote Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of God's hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. When you look at the stars, the macro, each star is a sun like thousands of times the size of our planet. And some of those stars are galaxies. And from Australia, in the night sky, you can not only see our galaxy, the Milky Way, that broad band of light across the middle, but you can see a couple clouds, the Magellanic clouds. Just look up at night and you might see kind of a couple glowing clouds. They are galaxies. One of them has 30 billion stars. Each one of those stars, like our sun. And when you look up at that, if you're not filled with wonder, 
you're not paying attention. You get a sense of something greater and you get a sense of the magnificence and glory of God's plan. Abraham was worried and he did this too. Abraham was worried because he, he, he thought that he was going to have no children and that his family line was going to end. And Abraham whinged to God in prayer. He said, God, it's not fair. I have no son, no, no, no children. And God said to Abram in Genesis 15, go outside and look at the stars. Look at heaven, number them, count them if you can. Don't count sheep, count stars. And he said to him, see how many stars there are? That's how many descendants you will have. That's how big your family will be. And Genesis 15 says, and Abraham believed God and God credited it to him as righteousness. Now, this verse is foundational to our faith. This verse is actually what following Jesus is all about because it says, Abraham looked at the stars and he trusted God's promise. He didn't try to prove himself. He didn't say, God, if, if I do this and do this and do that, will you then give me what I want? Or God, if I'm good enough, will you save me? Or God, if I'm wise enough or clever enough, or if I give enough, will you finally answer me? No, no, no. This is how our faith works. He, he looked and just put his trust in God's plan, that God's plan was greater and bigger and that God's plan was a gift and is a gift of grace that you don't earn God's love and you, you don't earn God's salvation. You just trust and you're welcomed by grace. And you know, Abraham has many children. The old song, Father Abraham has many sons. I am one of them and so are you. The promise that God made to Abraham came true because you and I are his sons and daughters. We are children of the faith of grace. We are the stars that he tried to count. So number one, when you worry, look at something small. Number two, look at something really big like the stars. Eyes on the small and eyes on the stars. And the third one is quite strange. The third one is when you worry, put your eyes on the unseen. Imagine a man in bad shape. I mean, really bad shape. He's, he's thin, he's wasting away, he's, he's been starved, he's been tortured, he's been whipped, he's got like scars on him. This guy is really messed up physically. He, people have attempted to murder him a number of times. He's been locked in jail again and again, and he's from an ethnic minority. So he might not look like you. And he's from a group of people that are hated and rejected. Well, that man wrote these words in 2 Corinthians 4. He wrote, So we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So who wrote that? Who is this man that was tortured and whipped and beaten and had attempted murder and imprisonment and starvation? Who is this man? It's Paul. And Paul, who'd been through all of that, could write, though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed. And 
The key verse that I want to note here, and I'd love you to say it out loud with me, the key words here are 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. Would you say them out loud with me now? For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now, you might like to actually do this with a kid in church today, um, as long as they're cool with it and they're okay. You might like to actually map this verse out by, by building a set of scales with their hands. Because here, Paul says, there are like a set of scales, there are two things and I'm going to compare them. And the first one is your troubles, the things that are going wrong in your life right now, all the things that are worrying you, all the things that are causing you anxiety, all the sickness, the pain, the hurt, the relational breakdown, the mental illness, the finances, the war, all of that. He says, let's put that in this hand. And then he says, that is light and momentary. He says it's paratica elaphros, light and momentary. You know, all of the rubbish in your life. Now, there have been points in my life where if you came to me and you said, uh, you know, your, your problems, your worries, your sickness, that's light and momentary. There are points in my life where if you just came and planted that on me, I would be pretty offended. <laughs> I would be like, how dare you? Paul is not saying that your worries are not real or that you're a bad person for having them. Hear that clearly? He's not judging you for, for worrying because this is a part of our human condition. He's not saying your worries are nothing. But what he's doing is a comparison. And that's important to understand. He's saying, you know how big the problems of your life and the world are? They are massive. I agree. I'm not belittling your problems, but he's saying they're light and momentary compared to this side of the scales. So you might like to get a feather and put it on this side and say, that's my troubles. And on this side, get whatever you can that's heavy. Um, you might like to use a massive pile of Bibles because they're heavy, right? And Paul actually here makes a comparison. He says, the things you can see that are troubling you are light and momentary compared to the things you can't see that God has prepared for you. And he says, they're light and momentary compared to the eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I love the words he uses here because the word glory originally means something like heavy. And then he uses the word heavy, which is baros in that language. So it's baros doxa. He literally says, um, all the stuff of this life is nothing compared to the baros doxa, the heavy, heavy glory of heaven. He, he's literally saying heaven is heavy. God's plan, God's future for you, eternity is heavy. Um, one particle of heaven weighs more than this entire planet. Heaven is not something light and fleeting. It's solid and weighty and more solid and more real than anything we know now. And Paul is making this comparison to help you say, I'm not going to fix my eyes on all this stuff I can see, but I'm going to fix my attention and my hope on the goodness and glory of heaven to come. Some Aussies have a saying, which I don't mind, it's first world problems. It's like, you know, um, my car won't start because it's a Jeep. Sorry, Merv Teely. Uh, 
you say first world problems. At least I can afford a car. Or it might be that toilet paper is scarce. You say, oh, first world problems. At least there's toilet paper to miss. So often people say oh, first world problems in order to help themselves think of the bigger picture and remember that um, these problems are small compared to some other ones. I'd like to change that up. I'd like to make that a spiritual moment of faith and instead I'd like to say first life problems. So when something goes wrong in my life, I'd like to actually say first life problems. There's a greater life which has been won for me by Jesus on the cross and I don't have to do anything to earn it. There's a greater life for me and that's the life that is coming. And you know, this is just first life problems. I'm fixing my eyes, not on the problems I can see, but on the answer on Jesus Christ, who for a moment is unseen. And the beautiful thing about this unseen gift is that it's grace. I don't earn it, so I don't have to worry if I did enough for it. It's already been one for me on the cross. So when you worry, where do you put your eyes? Three places, on the small, on the stars, and on the unseen. And you know, all these three things are Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only place where the hope never fails. Because when you put your eyes on Jesus, you're putting your eyes on the small, Jesus, the great God of the universe, who for a time became small, small as a fetus, small as a child, small as you. Jesus Christ, who put the stars into space. Jesus Christ, who rules the universe, and yet who knows you. And Jesus Christ, who for a moment, for a time, is unseen and yet is as close as your breath. Because if you've been baptized into him, and if you haven't been baptized, go and ask today, then Jesus Christ is upon you and with you and around you, and he has you. Amen.